Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to church, everybody. Hey, you can go ahead and find your seat. Welcome, everybody, online. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, especially if you're on vacation right now, awesome of you to tune in with us. We're so glad that you're here. Hey, just FYI, at the end of the message, we're going to be doing communion. So if you missed yours on the way in, feel free to grab some at the door. Uh, You got a little while yet. There's also gluten-free stuff, I think, there. If you're embarrassed to get up, um, just pretend you're going to the bathroom and then grab back, back on the way in. Hey, um, thank God for the blood. I know it sounds weird. When, when you're kind of like first learning about this stuff, and you're not, maybe you're not a Christian or you're a brand new Christian, it's like, what is, what's with all the blood, man? What's up with that? Why is that? Why are we thanking God for the blood? And, you know, I think you'll find that as you keep walking with Jesus, and at first you think like, oh, man, I'm getting so much better. I'm obeying so much more. But then you start to see that a lot of what's wrong is actually deeper in your heart than just your exterior, you know, actions. And so you'll find yourself at sometimes you're like, wow, if, if, if you're blessed, you'll be really convicted of sin. And you'll even get to the moment where you're, you're feeling almost like forlorn. You're feeling almost like it's, it's hopeless. I can't believe I'm so evil. I'm seeing right before my eyes, my own evil deeds. And it's in that moment that you need to remember there's nothing more powerful than the blood. It doesn't matter if you've been walking with Jesus for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You're going to get to the moment where I feel dirty again. And I need to remember the blood. No, 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 dude, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with that thing. It doesn't matter. The blood is powerful. And the blood cleanses us from all sin. So that's why we're thanking God for the blood. We're going to talk about um, the bread of life today, which is both God's word and Jesus himself. And um, I want to give you props, man. Thank you for being here. You know, I think there's, I don't mean this in the wrong way, but I think there's kind of a summer special stash that God brings. It's a special apportionment for the people that, that make it all the way to the summer. Like that they come out and they're like, I know it's, you know, I could be anywhere. I could be on the beach, but I'm going to make sure that I get a hold of God's words. It's a special meal that he prepares as we come with faith and expectation. Because here's the reality, yo, you need God's word. You need God's word. Like we, we, all, we all need God's word. We live by every word from the mouth of God. And when we come into the place and we're like, I know that no matter what else I think I need, I need God's word. There's something about our faith. There's something about our, our insistence that gets God's attention. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. Some of you remember this gal. I remember she's kind of like, she's making her way through the crowd and she's, she's in pain. You know, I've pictured her keeled over and she's pushing. Now imagine like Jesus and his disciples, they're moving, like they're moving through the crowd. And there's so many people that, you know, everything's crowded. And she, she's like, if I could just touch the hem of his robe, if I could just, you know, in other words, she doesn't like to have to tackle him. She doesn't have to hug him. She just has to like barely reach and grab it. She's like, if I just touch it, then I'll be healed. And there's something about her pushing through. Like I'm, I'm going to make it. I don't care who's in my way, I'm, I'm going to make it. And when we decide, I'm going to make it to God's word, I'm going to get it. I don't care what's in the way. I don't, I don't care what the devil's putting in front of me. I don't care what I could do or how I could sleep in or I could do whatever else. I could go do the chore, whatever I would do. No, if I could break through, if I could get it, there's something special there for us. God says, oh, I like that. I like that. Let me go to my special cabinet, okay? I'm going to get out some special word for you. 
I want to make sure it's really good because I like that feistiness that you got. I like that you're not, you're not just going to be pushed back into a corner and just forget about the whole thing because it was a little bit hard. So if it was a little bit hard for you to get here today, if it was a little bit hard for you to, whatever you were doing to tune in and get online, if it was a little bit hard, I just want you to release your faith. Like, man, sometimes you get, you get some of God's special stuff when you press in and grab it. And that's how we always want to be about God's word. We always want to be like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it because I know, even if I feel numb, that God has something good for me. Man, we ain't even started the message yet. So, um, <laughs> hey, I want to give everybody props who participated in the mobile food pantry. Thank you. 125 people were fed yesterday. So, <laughs> glory to God. Thank you. Like, it, it was God, but it was you. So, thank you for allowing him to use you. Also, you know who I don't think enough? I don't think enough the, the fierce kids and fierce teens volunteers. The ones who are like with our kids, the ones who are investing in your kids. I, you know, there's a lot of people in my 20s and 30s, I don't even remember them very well. I probably don't even remember their name. I remember the adults that fed into me and spoke into me when I was a kid. I remember the ones who were around. I, I think back down, I'm like, why were they even there? Like, why were they doing that? And you know why a lot of them did it? Because they loved God and they loved kids. And there's people who are investing in your kids, some of you right now, or during the week, they're investing because they love God and they're trying to impart something. And that's like a privilege, man. That's a special thing. A lot of folks ain't trying to do nothing for your kid. And yet here these, these folks are week after week, really loving, really speaking in God's truth, God's word, not trying to poison them like the rest of the world, I'm trying to give them something good. So fierce kids, disciplers, fierce teens, disciplers, I think you are awesome. Thank you. Dude, I've got five kids that have been going through this thing the whole time. And so, like, they wouldn't be who they are without you guys. So, thank God for that. So, I want to tell you about a dream that I have sometimes. <clears throat> it's a little bit embarrassing, but one of my real worst nightmares, okay? I don't dream about the boogeyman. I don't dream about, like, falling off a building or anything like that. I have a recurring nightmare that I find out right now that I'm supposed to preach in, like, two minutes, and I don't, you know, I'm like, are you serious? How, how could that be true? How, like, how do I, I, I want to be prepared. And so I'm, I'm like, I don't panic in dreams, but in these dreams, I'm like panicked. And it's weird because it's like the same dream. And yet it never feels like I've had this dream before. There's other dreams where I'm kind of, you, you know this, you've had dreams where you're, you're kind of aware that you're in a dream. It never happens for me in this dream. Suddenly I have to get up and go talk to people and I'm, I'm trying to think. And like, I'm looking for my notes everywhere in the dream. I can't find my notes. What do I do? You know, I'm looking for old sermons. How do I do this? And I can't do it. Well, there's that dream. And then there's another dream. And it's a little weird, so bear with me. There's another dream where I'm like, I'm in, I'm in the mall or I'm at church or I'm somewhere else. And all I've got is my chonies. All I've got is my skivvies. And I'm like, and I think people don't notice yet. And I'm like, what do I do? You know? And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, can I get a towel? What? And, and there's people I need to interact with. Okay, so that's weird and that's hard. But the worst of the worst is sometimes, I'm not kidding, this is not a, like a preacher embellishment. The worst of the worst is I'm having both dreams situations at the same time, okay? <laughs> I am supposed to go out there and preach. I don't have my notes, but I don't have my pants either. And I'm like, are they going to notice? I think they are going to notice. And there's this, this panic that breaks in. I'm like, I am missing something for this event that I'm supposed to have. You ever felt, you ever felt like I'm supposed to have something? I'm supposed to, there's something I should have. There's something I should be equipped with that I don't have right now. There's something I'm missing. I want to talk to you today about what happens when what we're missing 
is we're missing what Jesus wanted to do. We're missing how God wanted to encounter our lives, but we weren't paying attention. We were prioritizing the wrong things. And it's not that God didn't love us or we didn't love God. It, it wasn't that you know, we were maybe even significantly far out from his will. We were just, we weren't prioritizing what God wanted us to. We were, it was kind of like, whew, we're busy over here and we miss what God wants to do in our lives. We're going to talk about a group of people, again, in our series, Misfit Messiah. Jesus wants, he's looking for a response in these people, and they don't give him the response that he wishes that they would give him, and they miss, they're missing their opportunity. And it's, it's like really bad because it's Jesus. It's like, can, can you imagine? Like, it's, it's bad to miss my pants, and it's bad to, to not know where my sermon is, but it's really bad if Jesus is in front of you, and you're missing it. Like, that's bad. And so we don't, we don't want that to happen to us, or we want it to happen as little as possible. I'm not sure you can entirely avoid it. I'm sure I've missed God in, in, in many ways. I don't think we can entirely avoid it, but I think if we're aware that it could happen, we want to work against it. So people miss God or in, in the Bible all the time. Listen to this. This is Jesus. He's talking to Jerusalem, okay? This is the last few days of his life, and he's like, he's been there. He's been preaching. He knows he's about to go to the cross, and listen to his broken heart here, Matthew 23, 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. His heart is broken and he's like, I wanted this for you. Like this, this could have been avoided. Jerusalem, I wanted you so bad to identify and recognize your Messiah and your King. I wanted it for you, but you man, you missed it. I wish you wouldn't have missed it. And I wonder sometimes what, what are the, some of the things that we miss? We see examples of scripture of people missing it and not missing it. We see in Abraham, okay, so Abraham faces this, this test. And his test is, are you gonna, will you trust me, Abraham? If, if I say sacrifice your son, will you trust? Because I've told you that I'm gonna bring the blessing to all nations through your son. Will you trust me that even if he dies, I'll raise him from the dead? Will you trust me? And Abraham thinks about it all night and he prays about it. And then he decides, yes, I'm going to do it. And right before he's going to go ahead and follow through that God stops him. He says, oh no, now I know. Now I get it. Now you trust me. Good. I was testing your heart. And then God says something really interesting. He says, because you did that, I'm going to increase the blessing that I was going to put on your life. Because you did that, because you didn't miss that opportunity. You could have just like kept walking. You could have, you could have gone on the promise you had before. But because you did that, now, Abraham, I'm going to unload the thing. I'm going to go in my cabinet and get out my special apportionment. Now you're going to get it. And, but you can contrast that with David. So, so David, you know, he's raised up from just, just a, a little shepherd boy. Nobody knows his name. Nobody knows who he is. And, and David, he, he, he like passes a lot of tests. Like he, he believes God. He submits to God. He's submitting even to Saul who's trying to kill him. And then eventually he, he's king. And man, he's, he's got his guard down and he, he misses it. He commits adulterous murder, okay? His heart's really hard for about a year to the Lord, and God confronts him. He brings, he comes to the, the prophet, Nathan. He says, David, didn't I do so much for you? Didn't I do this for you and this for you? Didn't I take you from nothing? Didn't I raise you up? Didn't I give you this kingdom? And then he says something really frightening. He says, and I would have done much more. And I'm like, wow, that's like the alternate book of 2 Samuel, that's what we could have seen. He said, David, I would have done much more. Imagine what that book was. But you got this other, and, and it's like a horrible, tragic life. Like God is faithful to him. And he, he like, 
He kind of like graciously gets David through, but David is nowhere near like the man that I imagine he was in alternative second Samuel, like the guy he could have been. I would have done much more. And sometimes I just wonder, like I'm, I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, what are my tests that God is like, oh man, if you pass this, if you, if you recognize Jesus here, if you submit to this test here, you don't even know what I'm going to do. And are there other places where God's like, oh, am I going to get to heaven? I know it's going to be a celebration. I know it's going to be wonderful and, and grace and all that. But, but am I going to be able to see like a movie of like, and boy, here's what would happen if you would have passed that test. If you would have like kept your heart going straight. If you would have, you know, just jumped that thing a little bit more ferociously. And I don't know, everything is by grace through faith. But also we see this reality that like our actions affect what happens. And so we just have to know, dude, it, it's possible to miss God. So we're going to jump into this, this group of scenes that are really a continuation of what we've been studying here in the book of John, Misfit Messiah. And we're going to come in right kind of in the middle, like the highest point of this scene. Okay. So there's a show recently that came out as Book of Boba Fett, and it's not really very good, but um, yeah, it's okay. Um, but they, they, one of the reasons it's weird is because they do things out of order. Like they're showing the past and they're showing the present, and it's like, why are you doing this? But we're going to do that because I think it actually helps. It actually works. We're going to come in. We're going to look at this scene and the very, the moment of Jesus' frustration where he's, he's kind of like, guys, come on, man. So he's talking to all these people. He's talking to really two groups of people, disciples and then kind of religious leaders that are giving him a lot of pushback. And we're going to come in right here at John 6, 41. At this, the Jews or the religious leaders, they're all Jews, but the religious leaders there began to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. He's like, come on, guys. I'm here for you. You're giving me pushback. Y'all are missing it. I'm here for you. It is written in the prophets. They will be taught by God. He's like, you, you guys know this. You should know this. This is the prophets. You study this all the time. You're waiting for this future time when, when God is going to come and he's going to literally teach everybody. And he's like, this is happening right now. And you're about to miss it. You're about to miss it. I am the son of God staring you in the face. Second member of the Trinity. He says, everyone who has heard from the father and learned from him comes to me. He's saying, guys, if you were really concerned about learning from the father, you got to know the way the father operates. The father looks to and fro among the whole world. And he says, who's really looking to learn from me? Who doesn't just want some kind of exterior religion? Who doesn't want to just feel better about themselves? Who really says, I want to learn from God. Jesus says, the father's going to see them and he's going to direct them to the son. You say, pay attention to my son because he's going to show you the way of life. He's going to show you how this works. He's going to show you grace by faith, by the cross. That's how it works. And I want you to learn it from my son. And so Jesus says, if you guys were really interested in learning, you would recognize God sent me to you to teach you, but you're not getting it. It was right there in Isaiah 54, 13, the whole time, all your children shall be taught by the Lord and the great shall be the, and great shall be the peace of your children more than anything, my friends, more than anything. We've got to want, I mean, this is like the heart of Christianity, okay? We've got to want to be taught by the Lord. I mean, that is the great privilege of the new covenant. That is the great privilege, the Holy Spirit, the helper here to teach us, to unfold God's word before us. We've got to be hungry and want to be taught 
by God. Generations came before that. They couldn't, they couldn't experience that. And Jesus is saying, you're about to miss it. Don't miss this incredible opportunity of being taught by God. So what do we have to do? We have to cry out. Oh God, teach me. Oh God, teach me your word. Don't, don't assume it. Don't put it on autopilot. Yeah, because you'll, you'll learn a, bit, a little bit. But if you're hungry, if you're crying out, oh God, look, I know, I know you got a lot of people down here on earth, God, but I, I, I got to tell you, pick me. If you're going to teach somebody, all these scrubs, I don't know about them, but I need you for sure. I need you to teach me. I'm dim and not wise all the time. I need you to like anoint your word so that I get it. Don't let me miss what you're trying to tell me. This is exactly, I mean, think about it. This is where humanity started. This was Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day in the garden with God. And what were they doing? They were learning from God himself. He said, well, let me show you this. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. That was our original destiny to be taught by God. And Jesus says, that's what you get. That's what you can have. Just don't miss it. Wouldn't it be a tragedy to miss it? It'd be such a tragedy. But one of the ways that we miss it, and there, there's actually several ways we're going to study them in this series. We're not going to study all of them today. We're just going to study one today. One of the ways we miss them is because we're preoccupied with earthly things. We're preoccupied with just like, what's right here? What's right in front of us? Oh, what can, how can I get more of the things that I see that are kind of delightful here on this planet? So we're, we're preoccupied with earthbound things, things that are temporary, things like applause, high opinions of others. I'm preoccupied with that kind of thing. I want people to think that I'm smart or that, you know, I know what I'm doing or I want them to think I dress nice or I want to think I look good on social media or whatever. You spend hours curating your pics and photos and things. I want to make sure everyone gets the right impression of me or you want everyone to like, I just want them to like think about me. I want them to have like, I want to be in their thoughts and be in their soul Honey, I hate to tell you, you're not in their thoughts much, okay? Not much. Even when you look like a doll on Instagram, okay? You're not in their thoughts much because they're in their thoughts. That's why. They don't have room for you because they're in your thoughts. But what that's doing, when we're thinking, I want people to think about me, we're spending a whole lot of time thinking about me. You ever notice that? You can't be pining for other people to be thinking about you without thinking about you. That's very, here, here this sweetly, if, if you spend a lot of time like worried or thinking about what other people are going to think about you, sweetheart, you have a real self-focus problem. You're thinking about self too much. Like you don't need to think about yourself that much. God is thinking about you. Jesus is thinking about you. But, but that's like the epitome of earthbound thinking. It's earthly. I'm just thinking about, there's my flesh. I'm just thinking about it. How to paint it better. How to like make it look better. It's just, oh. it's, it's earth focus instead of heaven focus. Or it's just stuff. I just, I just want more. I just, oh, I just like that. I go in the store. Oh, I like this. And I like that. And I like that. I just want more of that. Oh, I like that. And, and there's nothing wrong. Like God wants us to have stuff. But when, when it's just like consuming our mind, that's earthly thinking. When I'm always thinking about, well, what else could I get? I'm just going to look around for more stuff for me to want. Like, dude, as we grow in discernment, you got to understand like that, that works against your soul a little bit. That's a preoccupation. And, and, you know, Best, maybe, we'll do life very numb to the voice of the Holy Spirit if we're doing that. Often, what that's going to produce, if, if, if I am on my mind constantly, if earthly things are on my mind constantly, I'm going to have like a little baby trickle of living water squirting out of my life a little bit. 
and I'm going to miss God. I'm going to miss Jesus because he wanted a roaring river, rivers of living water to be flowing from my innermost being as I kept my eyes on Jesus and on heaven. Come on, come on, Marilyn. Hey, bring it. So that's what God wants. So here's what I would encourage you to get your best life. People talk about your best life all the time. I'm living my best life. I'm living my best life. I'm like, are you? Is that your best life? Because Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full and have it abundantly. And so unless you're, you're talking about your life in Christ and that it's full and abundant, I don't think you are living your best life because that's the life you could have, but you're living some other diminished, you know, hopefully not too earthly, self-focused kind of a life. And I'm, I'm celebrating all your good fortune. Hey, that's awesome. I'm just saying, can we define this rightly? I don't know that that is your best life. Okay, that might be a happy life. That might be there's good things going on here, but your true life is hidden in God with Christ. That's where it is. That's your real life. That's your best life. And that's the life God wants us focused on. So he wants us to be, if we're gonna really have our best life, he wants us to be people that are not missing Jesus and learning from God, being taught by God, trusting, relying on Falling back into the arms of grace as God just takes care of the things. He's going to get me what's mine. He's going to make sure, you know, my body's going to work okay and good and fine until I'm in heaven. All right, I don't need to curate my Facebook all the way so that everyone thinks I was just a movie star. It's not going to matter. They're not going to care. Instead, I'm just going to leave it to Jesus. And that's a series right there. Leave it to Jesus. I want to watch that show. So here's what happened. Remember, remember where we were? So Jesus is just, this is like within the same 24 hours, okay? So there's a lot happening here. Jesus has just fed the 5,000, okay? Probably around 15,000. This was the evening before. So this happens as the sun's going down. He's feeding with the disciples, all these people. He tells the disciples, all right, guys, go across the lake, take the boat, go, go across the lake. It was a really hard night. Like they rode all night. They weren't, they didn't get there very fast. Jesus is watching them, you know, out in the hill. He stayed back. He's watching them go across the lake. And then he's like, these guys ain't getting it. I'm going to walk on down, walks on the water, gets in the boat, has a little event with Peter, gets in the boat and they arrive. Well, the people that were part of the feeding of the 5,000, it's the next morning. And they're like, hey, we saw the disciples leave without Jesus. Let's go kind of find out what the disciples are doing. They go and they find them and Jesus is with them. And so they ask the question, Jesus, hey, um, how'd you get here? Because we know that you didn't go with them and yet here you are. And Jesus sees right through them. And he's like, ah, that's not the question I'm going to answer. <laughs> I'm going to answer a different question. I'm going to ask a question about what you're really seeking, what you're really after. So right here, verse 26, John 6, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So these people, you know, and they were thinking, they're like, is this the prophet? Is this the prophet like Moses? And so just like any natural human, they're, they're thinking, maybe we're supposed to be kind of like the people in Moses' time. Maybe Jesus is going to be our deliverer, like our political, you know, general kind of person that leads us out of this Roman rule and leads back to the time that the Jews are on top. Maybe Jesus is this guy. And just like Moses, you know, gave manna from heaven, Jesus, he made bread. So maybe he's going to do that. Like, maybe this is the guy. And Jesus is saying, listen, 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 you're here because you want political deliverance and free food. That's why you came to find me. He says, it ain't about that. That's not, I'm not going to do that. So I need to know if you're still in it for me and not just for that. Are you, are you still with me? Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. Somebody say give. 
I love that. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. The the Father marked him out. He says, this is the sacrifice we're going to use. This is the unblemished, spotless lamb. I've chosen him. He's perfect. He does everything right. He blesses my heart. He is God enough to cover all the sin of all humanity. We're going to use him. And so Jesus is asking them, and he's asking us. He says, I don't want you to miss it, guys. See, I don't want you, I don't want you to just be in this for my benefits. I want you to be in it for me. And I think we all have to ask ourselves that question from time to time. Why am I in this? Am I like super TO'd when God doesn't do what I want? Am I super TO'd when I didn't get, I got to ask for it this way, and I don't know. It's been a little while, and it came a little different. I don't like that. And Jesus, he, he would just ask, he'd say, hey, why are you in this? Because at first, you know, we'll start it, and, and God will even do this, man. Like, he'll, he'll start, and, and that's part of sometimes how he even draws us. We're like, man, I don't know. If I go with God, things might get a little better, and they do. And God's like, yeah, I'm a good father. Let me, let me show you how good life is with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he starts to show us it is good. But after a while, as we press on past spiritual toddlerhood, he's like, look, I'm, I'm, still, you know, I'm still your daddy. I love to take care of you. But I need to know some things. I need to give you some tests to find out, are you in this for me? Or are you in this for the things I do for you? Are you in this because the destiny you think I've promised you? Or are you just in it for me? Are you in it because you want to be with me? Which one is it? So how do we make sure we don't miss Jesus? Listen to this. Here's number one. Number two is in another message. This is just the first part. A self-centered earthly heart set will make us miss Jesus. A self-centered earthly heart set. And I would even say a self-centered earthly faith. I think there's just different kinds of faith. Some of us, we, we, we haven't really grown out of yet a self-centered earthly kind of faith. It's a faith that is about Uh, you know, praise God, but it's about me. And you can tell when this is true because I think Jesus would say this to to the people who were present there. He's like, hey, if you're only here for my benefits, okay, if you're only here to get political power and, and free food, if that's the only reason you're here, here's the problem. Because when I begin to work in your life and I begin to bring plans about in your life that don't have an immediate payoff that you see, then you're gonna be like, I don't know. I don't know because God didn't do what I wanted to do. I got in this thinking there was free food coming. I, I, I had, you know, one, two, three, four, and five conditions that I was depending on God to do. And God was like, that's the problem. Because I need you to bear with me over the long term. I need you to see the glory of my plan, but often when it seems to go against your plan, and I need to know you're going stick, to stick with it just out of love for God and not anything else. So are, are we in it for his benefits? And part of that is asking the question about motives. Like, just, just why? why? Why am I doing this? I've got a really lovable, really friendly dog named Chesterton. I call him Chep. He's really cute. He's really cuddly. I began to think about, though, in the course of my relationship with him, he, he's awesome. You know, he's a dog. God made him this way. Dogs are cute so that they get free stuff. Like, that's why God knew. It was like, they're going to need some help. I'll make them cute so people give them stuff. But largely, even though I think in a dog way, he has genuine affection for his master, I also know, as I just evaluate him, mostly his relationship with me is about his needs. <laughs> like, like, really, he comes to me when he wants me to do something for him. Whether that's like, you know, he wants me to, we call it groom him, which is just like stroke him endlessly, or he'll like walk by me in the kitchen, just kind of stick out his rump and be like, you gonna pet me or what? You know, but it's, it's you know, and I think he does dog love me, but it's about him. He's coming to me about him. 
Like that's really what that is. And one time I feel like the Lord showed me, that's what you do to me sometimes. Like you're, you're not wanting to connect with me. You're not wanting to hear my heart. You're just coming like, let's, let's, let's rub the rump, Jesus. What do you got? <laughs> comfort me, soothe me. And, and Jesus wants to soothe us and he wants to comfort us. But is that, is that the nature of the relationship? Think about if, if, you, if, you're, if you had a spouse, if you had a, a deep friendship or a spouse where largely it was just about, I'm going to show up when I need stuff, bye-bye. You know, and they come around from time to time, hey, time for another one, you know? If that was really the nature of your relationship, there'd come a point where you're like, I don't think this is the same thing that I thought it was. Because I thought we were going to like get to know one another's hearts. I thought we were going to like, share dreams and, and go on journeys together. But I feel like all you want to do is tell me what you want. And I just wonder if sometimes that's how, the, how Jesus feels. And he's like, man, you're missing everything that I am. You think I'm just a genie. You think I'm just like open bread basket to just give you whatever you want, but that's not really what I am. So, I mean, why do you come to church? Is it for you? Or is it for Jesus? I think it can be a little bit of both, but I think it should definitely include the latter. And that should be the primary reason. Why should you serve God? Because it, you know, it makes you feel good and you feel like it's, you know, makes other people feel loved or yes, but also because Jesus has asked you to, and he's wonderful and he deserves everything you have and more. Why should, why should, you know, when you pray, how much of that is just you asking for stuff or asking Jesus so what can I do for you? What's, what's your dream, Jesus? Well, how can I be helpful? Look at my life and tell me what you would love to see because I want to get it for you, Lord. Or even loving people. But we're preoccupied. We're preoccupied by the things of the world. Same author, John, writes later in his epistle, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's, he's, he's bumping up our discernment here. He's saying, whoa, check it out, dude. Now just give yourself whole hog to loving everything about this planet. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, that thing that turns on, that just, I want that, I want that. Maybe it's hunger, maybe it's lust, whatever it is. I want that. The desires of the eyes, the pride of life, the like, me, oh yeah, me. All of that is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away. He's like, this thing that you love so much, dude, it's dying and decaying right now. The life is fleeing from it. And what Jesus is concerned, he says, I'm concerned about the life in you, and is it growing? Is that life growing on the inside of you? Whoever does the will of God abides forever. We've got to understand that love for the world fights love for God. And this is where our desires, they fight love for God. The things that we want, that we want too much of, or we it's not that that's bad to have, but we just, we're too hungry for it. It's, it's our constant devotion all the time. I had a buddy, I don't even know if they still do these things. Maybe some of y'all have this. I had a buddy who in his backyard when I was a kid, he had a purple bug zapper. You, you guys know about these, right? Okay. So maybe y'all even have one. I haven't seen one in like years. So I don't even know if they still do them, but um, it was kind of funny because he lived like in the woods. So it was never not on. Like it was, it was just constantly killing things and it never got any better. So, um, you know, it's just like this purple light that, that the mosquitoes or bugs or moths or whatever, and we'd watch them do it. They just, they'd fly up to him like, whoa, and they'd touch it and you just, you'd hear them die. Like, like it'd just kill them. I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's even like cool with animal rights people now, but like, it was fun for us to watch. And they just, they just die. 
But guys, that's sometimes what the world is like to us. Like we're like, ooh, and we like roll up and we're looking and we don't know that thing is going to suck the life right out of you. Like that's not life. It's pretending to be life, but it's going to suck the life right out of you. It's not the real bread from heaven. And at, it, at worst, it'll kill you. It'll, it'll so rend your heart, you'll never even ask for Jesus. You'll never even go looking for Jesus. You'll never look for a savior because you won't even think of it because you'll be so satiated by the things and the distractions of this world. That's worst case scenario. But I think what it does most often for Christians is it just makes them incredibly weak because they never tell their flesh no. They never like ask the question, is all this excess good for me? Is this good for my soul? Does God like want me to have this? Is this right? Listen to this. What are the secrets of the Lord? Psalm 25, 14. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promise. With them alone. There are some others. The, promise, the secrets of the Lord are there. They're just, whew, they're just missing them. God says, but when you put me first, when you reverence me first, when you say, world, you're taking a backseat to my God, and I'm prioritizing that, unlike these disciples Jesus is talking to, who said, God, well, we're here for the food, or we're here, Jesus, we're here for the food, or we're here for what we think you can do for our country. He says, no, I want you to be in it for me, just me. So for some of us, it's materialism. For some of us, it's the amount of likes or applause we think that we can get. For some of us, Again, it's just, we're just too much on our mind. It's always about our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, what we're going to do. And all those are good things. They're just horrible lead things that shouldn't be in front. The, the, the major thing Jesus calls us to is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. The main thing is devotion to Jesus for who he is alone, not for anything that he does for us, though he does everything for us. And so one of the ways we can counter this is, Decide, decide to grow in contentment. Somebody say contentment. Contentment says, I'm not getting my way and that's okay. I mean, we have a hard, in, in the affluent society that we live in, we have a really hard time with this where you can just, there it comes on Amazon. I, I'm not getting my way and that's okay. I'm gonna choose to be like, God is enough for me. That's just fine. Jesus is all I need. I'm going to choose, be content. You want more of this? No, I don't need more of that. I'm good. In fact, I'm actually better not having it because I need to learn to just be able to get by with Jesus and not all the things. When Kenzie and I were first married, we lived in a real poor part of town. And you should know that Kenzie and I came from like pretty affluent families. Like we were very upper middle class. Like honestly, dude, we had any, you know, we couldn't have anything that we wanted, but she was an only child. So she was super spoiled. She had just about everything that she wanted. But I was in like a, you know, I mean, we just didn't, there was nothing that we ever were like, oh, my flesh, I can't have that. You know, like that just wasn't something that happened very much. And so there we are, new, newlyweds, and we're living in this little, little shack. You know, it's, it's kind of like a haunted house a little bit, like it looked like that a little bit, you know. But it was so good, like it was several years of this. And it was so, I look back now and I'm like, God was so wise in doing that. Because what he was teaching us was, all you really need is Jesus. And all these things that you thought, like we had already thought we needed. He just, just began to strain them out. Like, no, learn to live without that. Or learn to live with it at the last minute when God sends it. And he sends just enough. He doesn't send you enough for next month. He sends you enough for now. 
That was such a profitable time. And I just want to challenge you. Maybe for some of us, you're in a test right now of contentment. And you're not seeing it that way. You're like, ah, I can't get this. And they want to do that. And I, things aren't going my way. And can I just encourage you? Oh, bless God. You're in line to really grow spiritually if you can do it. If you cannot miss it. If you can get to the place where you're, you're done, you know, kind of like, well, I wish this was better. I do too. Pray about it and ask God to do it at the right time. But in the meantime, it's bless his name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and he takes away. And it's good for me to learn that I, my sustenance is Jesus himself, not anything else. Because an earthly heart makes me miss Jesus. It makes me miss him. Verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God, God requires, and when they say works, I mean, what do we do to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish? They're thinking again, like the Old Testament Israelites, okay, so, you know, Moses brought them out, and, and they're supposed to be a nation, a special thing for God. Are we supposed to do something? Jesus, tell us what to do, you know, and we'll do it. And Jesus says, guys, 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 I don't need you to go on any wilderness treks. Here's the, here's the first work. It's the most important work. It's the thing that matters more than anything. The first thing is that I'm your bread. The first thing is to believe in Jesus Christ. That's your work. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's the most important thing for you to do, is to decide Jesus is all I need, even when I don't have all my questions answered. And so they, they go into this time, they're like, well, how about a sign though? <laughs> how about a sign though? Because Moses, you know, he did this thing where he gave bread from heaven. And it's kind of funny because you see Jesus get a little, he's getting flustered, okay? And he pushes... Like he gets a little jealous for God's glory. I love to watch that. He's like, first of all, it wasn't Moses that gave your ancestors bread. He just gets a little, oh. hey, first, hey, let's be clear. It wasn't Moses. Moses told you about it. It was God that gave you bread from heaven. That's who it was. It was God that did it. And by the way, you're missing the lesson, you precious little descendants of those Israelites. You're missing the lesson. The lesson wasn't, hey, God makes magic bread. The message was, whatever you need, it's God who gives you life, not anything else. You don't give yourself life, God gives you life. Let me say that again because it's super anointed. Whatever you need, you don't give yourself life, God gives you life. It's still the same lesson. God gives you life. Jesus is the bread from heaven. Jesus is the life from God. The lesson is not magic bread. The message is, what I need, I can only get from God. God is the only one who can actually meet my life need. I have a need for life. My life is fleeing away from me. God is the only one who gives it. Verse 32, here he goes. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who, who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. We didn't go to school. We don't know things. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, God wants us to have abundant, abundant, flowing life, abundant spiritual life in God. But here's the problem. Sin came along and stole life from us. What happened in the garden? Our first parents sinned and suddenly now there's death. Now the life that they had because of their proximity and coming forth from God, God was the originator of life. God was the source of life. When they're cut off from the presence of God, what stops? Life. Now they're just like, they're, 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 their life is an echo and slowly wearing down. That's why people die. And God says, I came to give 
life. Life is only connected to God. You can't do anything about it. You're a, you can't get life. Doesn't matter how many things you get. Doesn't matter how many things you find in the store. Doesn't matter how many likes you get. You can't get life. You can get very fleeting, not life. The one thing you need is life. It was the thing that was stolen from you. It's God life. And that's the thing that Jesus says, I can give that. I can give that. So you're, you're so full of flowing life that as you step across the bridge to eternity, you're like, finally, holy cow, I'm tired of carrying that dead thing around. My life has been growing this whole time. I was decaying outwardly, but inwardly, I'm being transformed by grace to grace with fresh new life flowing out. That's who you are. If you're a Christ follower, dude, you're a whole big bucket of life stuck inside a dying body. But hopefully, if we're doing it right, the bread of life we're feeding on just growing the life and growing the life and growing the life because we're attached to what? The church stuff, the Bible study stuff, to all your Netflix accounts. No, because we're attached to him, to Jesus. He's the life. He's the bread. That's what he's telling these people. And they're missing it. They're missing life from the Father. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death, Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seems right. And that's, we would say, I think, I think I'm gonna go look for life over here. And Jesus says, no, don't look over there. I know it seems like that's gonna give you life. It's not. Come to me, the bread sent from heaven. I'm the one, I am the bread of life. And isn't this the essence of the gospel? I mean, isn't this what the whole thing's about? It doesn't matter if someone's opposing him. It doesn't matter if they're meek. It doesn't matter if they're arrogant. It doesn't matter if they're bold. It doesn't matter if they have a horrible history or one they barely remember. It doesn't matter to everybody. Jesus says, come. The people that are opposing him in this narrative, he is saying, come to me. I want to be your bread of life. The people who are kind of like dense and clueless, like I often am, he says, come to me. I want to be your bread of life. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. I'm asking you to come. I'm willing to. And here's here's the key. Here's what we've got to understand. In order for Jesus to be the bread of life, he has to die. That's the only way it happens. See, right now, like in a certain sense, right now Jesus is the wheat in this story. He's the wheat that is yet uncrushed. He says, I'm willing to be crushed, willing to be crushed for you. I'm willing to be crushed to get your eyes off all that non-life stuff that really doesn't help your soul at all. It's just supposed to be like a little bit of comfort on your way to heaven. I'm willing to die so that you can get your life back in Christ. It's only in the Son. And, and my friends, for some of us, we, we just gotta understand, this is the message of your life. This is your whole message in life. Like, this is what you're here to do. You're here, you know, whatever, you're, whatever you're doing, whatever your gifts are, whatever your job is, whatever your career path is, whatever your situation is, all that is wonderful. And I'm sure a lot of that is from God, but your core message, the thing that you're here to declare and be a witness to is the gospel of Jesus Christ is check it out. Everybody, Jesus is the bread. That's the message of the church as the prophet of God to the world. That's what the church is, the prophet of God. And we're saying, Hey man, we don't do everything right, but here's the message. Jesus is the bread. Life was cut off and Jesus is the cure. That's what we're here to say. So what I want to encourage you to do right now is we're going to come to the table. We're going to take communion together. Let me read this to you. For my father's will, verse 40, is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus, I'll, I'll take care of it myself. Even though I'm crushed as the bread of life, I'll make sure on the last day 
they understand that I'm the one standing up for them. So here's what I want to do as we take communion. One of the things we're saying with this, if Jesus is my bread, Jesus is enough. He's enough. I, I know you got stuff that you don't have and you wish you had and it'd be easier if you had. And I get that and, and maybe some of that is from God and maybe some of that is just from, I don't know. But whatever it is, Jesus is enough for you right now. You don't need whatever it is that the devil's saying, but you need that. Actually, you don't. Jesus is enough. Jesus says, if you just have me, you have life. And you leave it to me to take care of what you don't have. And so that's what I want to do right now. Would you get out your your little communion cup thing. For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you, just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take Jesus as your bread. Carefully flip it over. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's drink the blood together. We're going to go into a time of song right after I pray here. And sometimes people, they don't know what to do with the song because you're maybe not a musical person. Can I just encourage you, wherever you're at today, here's what I want you to focus on during the song or singing or not. Jesus is my bread and I don't need anything else. And if you feel like that's not true, use the time of the song to talk to him about that. Like be honest with him and say, I I don't know. I want you to be and part of me doesn't want you to be. But as you embrace that interaction, that personal, interpersonal interaction with God, he will be who you need him to be right now. Let's pray. Oh, wonderful Jesus. We'd hate to miss it. We'd just hate to miss it. We thank you for meeting us here today. We thank you that though we get our eyes off the prize sometimes, there you are again, despite our inability to see what we should see, you're still offering yourself as the bread of life, despite the fact that we oppose you to your face sometimes and almost provoke you. You still offer to be the crushed bread from heaven for us. Hey God, um, would you fulfill your sanctification promise to strain out the love of the world and put in true life? life that is anticipating and looking forward to the fullness of life that we have and ultimately will have with you in heaven. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on 
passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.